All right, another week, another week in Hedera H bar, all that good stuff. Got an orange soda. And there's quite a bit to talk about. Um, something really interesting actually happened today. Um, we had kind of a full circle moment a little bit with someone that a lot of people in the community uh, probably would be familiar with. Um, Mike Maloney did a uh, video interview with the H-Bar Bowl that premiered um, earlier today. And it was really interesting um, because my, if, if people don't know Mike Maloney, Mike Maloney did this video series called Secrets of Money back in, geez, must have been, he's, he probably has been, had been doing that for years. And I think it's still kind of an ongoing series that he's doing. And there was an episode that came out in, must have been, it, it could have been pre-2018. I think it was maybe pre-Hedera. And he was talking about um, blockchain and cryptocurrency within the context of his show, which was kind of like about um, money, fiat currency, gold, all these different types of things. Um, and basically, it was a situation where I, I think he maybe was the first person that I saw interview Manson Lehman, um, like way back. Again, I think this was before Hedera existed. And I think that it's a similar story for a lot of people um, that are kind of in the H-Bar world, in the Hedera community, um, that this guy, Mike Maloney, is, is kind of like the on-ramp to Hedera and H-Bar and all these different types of things. Um, it was really kind of crazy. So anyways, long story short is um, that video was really interesting because it premiered today and it was with the H-Bar Bowl. Who, of course, we're all familiar with. Um, he's, you know, H. Barbell Brandon. Um, he still does weekly shows, but he looped back with Mike Maloney. And again, just for extra contest, Mike Maloney is this guy that was talking about H. Bar so long ago. I think he was an original SAFT investor. You know, Hedera didn't have an ICO; they had a um, a SAFT. And Mike Maloney's like the OG of OGs. Anyways. This, this interview premiered today, and basically it was the H-Bar Bowl talking to Mike Maloney, updating him about um, all the different things that have happened on the network. It was kind of surprising to see that, you know, Mike Maloney, um, I don't think he's out of the loop with stuff like that, um, but he's he's pretty high level, right? He keeps it on a pretty high level. Um, and here, I think what he was hearing about was the recent studies that UCL had done when it came to energy efficiency of the network. Um, also it was, there's, there's this whole other dynamic to it. So that aside, right? Like big moment, full circle moment, Mike Maloney. I mean, <laughs> if people, if anyone's listening, that's new to Hedera, you probably have no idea who I'm talking about. Search up Mike Maloney, hidden secrets of money, Hedera or whatever. This, this random YouTube series episode is the reason why a lot of original folks were in Hedera. Anyways, when this premiered today, I was, I was watching it live and it made me think of something important because. Um, a key thing here is that this particular um, video interview was broadcast to Mike Maloney's audience, right? Which is largely folks that invest in gold and silver, 
um, precious metals, those different types of things. So it was really like a crypto um, podcast breakdown kind of thing for people that are, are so far removed from what crypto is. They're investing in things that were around, you know, like BC era, right? So you have all these precious metal guys watching this breakdown with, you know, the H bar bull and Mike Maloney. And the interview is great. I encourage everyone to go watch it. If you've been in Hedera for a while in the ecosystem, nothing in the interview is really going to be surprising. There's no big revelations. It was basically just Brandon bringing um, a new audience up to speed that maybe uh, doesn't know what's been happening in the ecosystem. But the takeaway here was in the live chat for this interview, there was like this whole side conversation where um, people were, and it, you know, just a quick mention, I mean, Christian Hasker was in, was in the live chat tuning in. A lot of H barbarians were in the live chat tuning in. Um, but there was, you know, an even bigger number of people that maybe had never heard of Hedera before, maybe don't understand cryptocurrency. And were just curious because, you know, Mike Maloney is someone they follow, they're tuning into his video. And there was a lot of talk of like, oh, you know, crypto is bad and this is all a scam and it's all junk and all these different types of things. Tokens are worthless, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, these people putting out these different claims, you know, coming across as very close-minded. Um, Christian Hasker kind of, you know, clearing the air um, and providing context for different things. Even Brandon the H Barbell was in the chat, you know, giving context to things. But it's kind of got me thinking a little bit. I was looking at I was looking at these folks in this chat and saying to myself, like, oh man, how could you be so close-minded? This is such a great technology. Yada yada yada. Right? Looking at it from my vantage point, from my experience, from my knowledge, you know, after being in this ecosystem for years. And there was a part of me that was kind of like, have I ever been like that? There was one guy in particular, I don't want to say his name. I don't even know. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know if he was a real person. It could have been a bot. I don't know. But there was a guy in there. We'll call him Bob. And Bob was kind of repeatedly kind of talking about how he invested and it went down and all these tokens are bad and everything's bad. And I talk about this theme a lot on the show where when you hear people, you know, talking about cryptocurrency and that it's a scam and all these different types of things, you have to listen to them with empathy. I mean, you don't know what their story is. They may have like a brother or a family member or a friend that lost a bunch of money or whatever. I'm the first to admit that, you know, this broader crypto ecosystem is full of some unsavory uh, assets, you know what I mean, that are very risky. We've seen things play out. So I get what they're saying. But I, I in that moment, I was kind of like, have I been Bob? Like, have I been in a situation where someone's talking about a new technology in crypto and I kind of go, you know, Hedera is it. Nothing can be better. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I wanted to kind of check myself and I was thinking about it before the show. And I was kind of like, I, I, cause I, I watched it live. I had a lot, I had a lot of time to think about this and I was just kind of like, I don't want to be Bob, you know, Hedera is really great. And I mean, shout out to Bob. I mean, no hard feelings. I mean, I'm not even using his real name, so he probably has no idea I'm talking about him, but for me, I was just like, I don't want to be that. And, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm a pretty young guy. And I could very easily see myself, see the success of Hedera, have my mind repeatedly blown by what this network can do and have it be so amazing. But even Lehman Barrett himself said, 
there's a chance something may something better may come along, right? A better uh, consensus algorithm may come along, right? And Hedera could very well switch to that. That's the whole point of having a decentralized organization with the governing council. That's the value is the governance structure is really the brand, right? And the technology behind it, technology is going to continually get to get better and better. And I think back also too to folks like Mike Maloney and these original investors in Hedera and I go, they were adventurous, they were explorers, they were open and they saw this new technology after you know, maybe knowing about blockchain for a long time and um, maybe uh, you maybe you wouldn't call them blockchain maxis or something. I don't think, you know, Mike Mullally was a blockchain maxi. He's a precious metals guy. But my point is we could very easily become Bob, right? We could very easily become closed-minded and turn our nose up at something that isn't a hash graph, that isn't ABFT, that isn't leaderless, that isn't carbon neutral and all these different types of things. I have a sneaking suspicion that in the coming years, amazing new technologies are come along and I run the risk of not being open because I have something that works for me, right? Like Bob has precious metals and different things that work for him that have worked for, you know, thousands of years. So I kind of saw myself and Bob, I could see myself doing stuff like that. And I think that as we kind of go into 2023, see this huge growth, see this um, ramp up, you know, the, the the show's called Light at the End of the Chasm for a reason. I do feel like we're going to start to see some serious things go down. We already have, but I want to continually remind myself that um, you need to stay, you need to keep a little bit of wiggle room to discover new things. There's all sorts of new things to explore and there will be um, things that are, um, you know, comparable or maybe better than Hedera someday, maybe better than Hashgraph someday, not Hedera, but better than Hashgraph. I think Hedera has, you know, top class, um, you know, governance. I think that's what makes it a hundred year organization, but technology always gets better. It keeps getting better faster. So I think that um, as we kick things off, you know, don't be Bob, right? Don't be closed-minded. Don't, don't shut things down uh, just because it's not, Hashgraph. And I think I, I could easily fall into that trap. So this is a reminder of myself. I'm going to go back and listen to episode 66 of this show <clears throat> when I feel I've lost my way. Um, and uh, yeah, with that, we're live on Twitter Spaces with another week in Hashgraph to unpack. Um, let's take a look at what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we've got some really interesting stuff. We had Hedera make a major payment um, well, the first in a series of major payments that have been outlined previously to Swirls, um, billions of HBAR. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll also talk about a really cool demo that was published um, that's like a TikTok regarding Avery Dennison. Not quite clear if it uses Hedera, um, but it's very cool. Um, we also have an update from the Coupon Bureau regarding 8112 standards. Um, what's other, what's some other stuff of note here? Um, oh, we've got some really, that we had some interesting activity on the main net last year, late last year. And now we have a better idea of, of what it is about. Um, so we'll talk about that. Hedera, I'm going to talk also too about Hedera just in general, um, definitely getting bolder just from a, you know, marketing brand PR perspective. It's been kind of, 
um, wild to watch. We got updates from EM Tech. We have some, I wouldn't call it a rumor. I maybe even wouldn't call it a breadcrumb. It's just interesting when it comes to Spotify. Uh, we got updates from Dovu. Um, we've got uh, a few updates, uh, late updates from uh, Saucer Swap. Um, let me see here. Just other things in regards to the growth of the network. Uh, do, 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 do. Of course, we're going to talk about Solana. That's basically it. Um, yeah, we got quite a bit to talk about. Um, and if you need to catch up on the previous week's news, head over to itsbrandond.com slash hbar, where you'll find past episodes. Um, and with that, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a developer, artist, and creative agency owner at Dirksen and Davenport, Inc. And like all of you, I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast. Uh, Sunday, February 26th, and yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 66, Light at the End of the Chasm. This is a weekly show that covers the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show. It's brandond.com slash hbar. If you're listening live, check out the Twitter thread pinned to the top of the spaces. Uh, let's take a deeper dive into each story. Also, everybody listening right now, take a moment, share the spaces, let your friends know you're listening. The more the merrier. Also, the little comment button on the bottom right. Um, you can ask a question or share something interesting that you know listeners might want to know. I'll talk about it. Also, this is a reminder, join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community. Um, it's really a great way to, you know, for anyone new to Hedera, I'm seeing a lot of new folks from Hedera join. I mean, uh, actually just yesterday, I think it was, um, Patches, CEO of Turtle Moon Command Center, um, you know, really uh, impactful community member, um, was hosting a Twitter spaces with, I believe it was King Solomon and Binks, Binks from Pixel Land, an NFT project, and um, formerly H. Barmery. Shout out. And they hosted a Twitter spaces. They onboarded 33 people, literally, um, you know, talking to people on Twitter spaces. They gave some folks 50 H bar. Those people went out, grabbed some NFTs. It, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that grows the network at the end of the day. Um, so huge shout out to them. And I mean, that's what the Twitter community is for. It's also in the thread. Hop in, join. Uh, good for, you know, newbies and uh, H bar veterans alike. And the show continues to grow from hundreds of listeners to thousands. And that's because people take the time to listen. Um, and this is probably one of my favorite things to do every Sunday. So if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show, please consider making an HBAR donation. It helps me keep making it better and better and better. You can send a donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet brought to you by listeners like you. Let's take a look at some uh, numbers, graphs, metrics, KPIs, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I was taking a sip of my orange soda here. It doesn't have sugar in it. doesn't have aspartame. It has, uh, what is that? What does it have in it? It has stevia something. I don't know. It's called Zevia. It's a brand. It's good. Shout out. It's delicious. Um, so something that I think grabbed the attention of a lot of people, it was in regards to TPS. Um, so Oh, I had a quick question from uh, someone from Twitter. Sky High asks, what's your thoughts on the accidental Twitter follow with the Hedera account? 
Uh, Sky High, I mean, um, I talked about that last week. Definitely go back and listen to that episode. I had a, I, I definitely rambled on about it. I mean, the Hedera Twitter account, uh, here's the Coles notes. Hedera Twitter account only follows governing council members. And it's not like someone's using the Hedera Twitter account to browse Twitter, right? It's very intentional. Um, and usually when a new governing council member is announced, um, you know, they rapid fire a bunch of different actions at once, right? The press release goes out, the account follows the other account. It all happens in a quick succession. And the fact that Hedera followed Sony and then unfollowed it, personally to me, again, my own opinion is a botched PR release. And something was happened, something happened that that had to be undone. Um, I do think it lends to the possibility of Sony being a governing council member. But again, I mean, yeah, of course, there's a chance that it was just accidental, random, you know, fat fingered uh, mess up on Twitter. But Hedera is really intentional with certain things like that. So, I mean, that's my thoughts on that. But last episode I did, I rambled on for quite a bit. Um, But talking about TPS on the network, we did have a drop in TPS, but a pattern is emerging. Um, So usually we're rocking at about, you know, 500, 600 transactions per second on the main net, which is great, of course. But on Friday, my, you know, I'm in Ottawa. So Friday Eastern, um, about 3 p.m., we did see TPS drop to about 280 transactions per second. Um, Which, you know, it makes you go, "Uh uh-oh, you know, what's going on? Because last time... Well, one of the times we had a major drop in TPS, it had something to do with time to finality. They changed the gossip algorithm, yada, yada, yada. But this time, nothing else really changed. It was just a drop. And we have seen the TPS drop over the weekend. Um, In my personal opinion, I think what it might be due to is um, just because the the leading use case um, for Hedera right now is supply chain, right? Avery Dennison, Atma.io, is there a correlation? Um, What does supply chain activity look like over the weekend? And also too, it's not just supply chain overall or Avery Dennison overall, it's a subset of users of the Atma.io platform um, that opt in to use Hedera. Do do they have a particular schedule? There's so many things that go through my head, but I do think it's less um, a technical thing or um, a change of state of that use case. I literally, literally think it just may be the nature of this particular supply chain use case over the weekend. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> when we look at uh, the rest of the network KPIs, um, I mean, that's really the only thing of note. Everything else is continuing along the same kind of broader trends. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jesus, I got a dry throat. Heat's been kicking off in my uh, apartment. It's been so cold outside here in Ottawa. The heat's going so hard and makes things dry. <clears throat> I'm withering away, folks. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, in my mind, the TPS drop. That's what happened. I mean, let's take a look at some other numbers too, aka price. Um, let's take a look at HBAR first. Um, <clears throat> we have seen some interesting price action recently um, on a couple things. Um, we are seeing a retest of kind of that seven cents support. I mean, you could, you could say there's a support at seven cents, um, or, you know, it's also, you know, you got to keep in mind, generally we will follow Bitcoin. We do see Bitcoin taking a bit of a ride up. Um, so there is that. Um, and I think that, 
you know, when we look at uh, the broader crypto market, it's really there's just there's a lot happening when we look on the outside of things, when we look at um, what's happening in the in the broader market, also what's happening with the SEC. That's a huge topic, all these different types of things. I mean, uh, the perfect person kind of to throw this to right now, just talking about um, HBAR as an asset um, and everything like that is uh, King Solomon. Uh, but I wanted to I, I can't uh, Ryan, did you watch that? Um, clip of Gary, I guess he was giving like a uh, testimony for um, some committee and he was talking about how um, Bitcoin is not, would not be deemed a security because, you know, quote, it's not like investors are relying upon, you know, six people in the middle, but, you know, kind of like Bitcoin is, maybe you could make an argument that it is six people in the middle. I don't know, but um, I'm really curious, just kind of, you know, you you're you're really looking at this kind of stuff really closely. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts because the charts are definitely uh, doing things right now. I'm definitely not an expert by any means, but <laughs> like I'm not the guy to ask about. What I what here? Let me let me clarify. What what I mean is, you know, you know more than me. Yeah, no, I don't. Um, but you know, if you look at. Uh, <clears throat> You know, you know, some of these networks that we start to see, like, gain steam um, that have real utility, that are fast, that have finality, that have trust, that have, you know, some of the aspects of decentralization to the point that you can actually build upon them. I think it's very, very important. Um, and I think that we can definitely say that Hedera, we're starting to, I don't even think we're starting. We, we've started to see, like, four or five, six months ago, especially, Um Solana, Ethereum community members, I mean, Patches and, and Banks held that Chrono space yesterday. Um, there's a lot of traction, and that comes down to, like, real community builders, like you, from Pixel Rug standpoint, like uh, like Patches from HGraph.io and all the services, you know, that are... There's multiple DeFi services now and multiple DEXs and, you know, Zeus and Hedera Sentient, which I didn't think that I... And I haven't used Hedera Sentient yet, but... Uh, Zeus is really good. Uh, you know, Zeus has been really good. Zeus was super game changing for the entire Hedera ecosystem. But like, I had the chance to get a walkthrough of Hedera Sentient. It was like, shit. There's like a lot of analytic tools that I would probably use if I was like not just such a DJ where I just buy NFTs and hold because I don't even look at them as investments. Um, there's like charting. You can do all sorts of shit. Um, when you talk about the Bitcoin stuff, I think Gary's implied a few times with the overreach aspects that like potentially bitcoin is the only non-security in this space and if that's the case i mean it's it's such an acidine perspective just because of the fact that we know how many organizations are actually building with this tech and that are utilizing these assets so um they've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere i think the xrp and ripple court case is going to be a watershed moment for this space whether it be good or bad um and from a price action standpoint um really what we're doing right now from and i I'm sorry, but I still, you know, a lot of people hate me for doing this. I get a lot of hate all the time. Um, I look at fucking Bitcoin, dude, and the total market cap of crypto. That's what I look at. Um, I look at resistance. I look at support. I'm not a chart guy, but I I try to time moves. Like, I definitely, when I thought capitulation was in back in June or July, I made a ton of moves. Um, and kind of looking for that last-ditch effort here as well, uh, because Bitcoin... 
basically just went and touched the 50 uh, EMA in the 200 week, which is extreme resistance at this point in time. Uh, we might play with it for a little bit of time here, but I also think it's a big opportunity. Um, look, I think it's riskier to be out, out of, and this isn't financial advice to anybody. I think it's riskier to be out of crypto than it is to be into crypto. But I also think you need to manage your risk efficiently from an individual level as well. And would I be buying shit coins right now when everything is so low and the market is risky? Hell no. Um, would I be buying blue chips potentially or would I have already bought them? Yes. And kind of waiting for the next trend in crypto to really start taking off, which I would consider like AI and maybe some zero knowledge proof stuff and some other aspects, 100%. But you and I are in the same boat, Brandon. We're just fucking waiting for this market to kind of run because I think we've all seen the signs. Um, there's a lot of traction around Hedera right now, I think. Obviously, I'm not financial advice to go buy HBAR. I'm just just believe that, believe that it's there. So, Yeah, I, you know, and I think that we're – this is – again, I'll, I'll hit this point again. But from what I'm seeing that's coming out of the SEC – and then also what Hedera is talking about and also the broader crypto space, there's a little bit of like in between the lines stuff where Hedera has, you know, always hit that governance angle so hard. Um, and, you know, even Lehman and I think Mansa said this too, like dropped the quote crisis of governance line. And then on the other side, you have Gary um, and the SEC and, and a lot of individuals within those governmental structures and they talk about how they they don't explicitly mention that, but basically what they're saying is if something is decentralized and there is no, I forget the way Gary put it, but it was like um, cooperative effort or um, something like that, um, you know, it wouldn't be a security, basically implying that if something has decentralized governance, then, you know, it wouldn't be a security. And then it makes me think of that recent interview that Mance had with Paul Barron. And he was talking about how, you know, it would be, quote, a fallacy, end quote, to think that Bitcoin and Ethereum are more decentralized or have better governance than Hedera, obviously citing the fact that um, there are, you know, a very small handful of participating validators and um, nodes that, We'll make those decisions for those respective networks. And there's a strong argument that Hedera's governing council is more decentralized. So there's something about that positioning. Also, the fact that Hedera definitely has um, is is participating in policy making conversations and stuff like that. There's a part of me that just feels like this conversation could be steered more and more and more into that kind of like governance um, scope. And that would be really, really interesting to me. I don't know if you felt that as well. Well, I mean, look, uh, you know, we often look at Bitcoin and proof of work versus proof of stake versus consensus and versus all these other aspects of confirming transactions on these networks as <clears throat> these very unique things. I actually think the more concerning thing, like if you look at Bitcoin from a proof of, a proof of work standpoint, like there's a handful or maybe six or seven I think it's even less. I think it's like six, maybe maybe it's four. These really big mining groups that pretty much control the hash rate of like Bitcoin, which is scary as shit, obviously. But then even like extrapolate that th thought out a little bit further where <clears throat> how much of crypto and Web3 would be able to exist without things like Google Cloud or Amazon Web Services? Um, all these like kind of infrastructure providers that kind of like really bolster up Web2. 
So how decentralized are these networks really? Um, I think Bitcoin decentralization is a fallacy to the extent that you see uh, like inherent like consolidation within like mining firms and electricity companies and all the things that would need to happen within that. I think Ethereum's move uh, or the merge to, to proof of stake, um, you know, they, they moved like Hedera's proof of stake network. But, you know, Ethereum sacrificed decentralization from proof of work to uh, scale and utility with proof of stake after the fact, which and it was not just after the fact, you know, a year after it was seven years after the fact. I think it's very, and then you look at the centralization aspects around Ethereum and nothing against Ethereum, but it, there is more centralization now from a governing perspective. I think if you look at something like Hedera or even like Ripple um, and the XRPL, like they started very centralized and they were able to decentralize over time without sacrificing the utility speed and efficiency of the network. I think when we have regulation happen, it will be very difficult for people to take the Hedera or Swirls approach. I think it will be very difficult for people to take or organizations to take the Ripple or XRPL approach. Um, so then it becomes who's still here. Um, but yeah, the Bitcoin being decent- decentralized and Ethereum being decentralized or that's acidine. You have, you know, there, there's it's, it's, it's just not even true. Yeah, that's 100% the case. So I, I have a really strong feeling that um, Hedera is doing some very conscious positioning because they're probably, you know, folks involved with Hedera and, and within the organization are probably privy to conversations and insights that we have no idea what's going on um, and experience and all sorts of different things. So it does feel like, in my mind, it looks like this is going to turn into, um, at least in the U.S., a conversation around governance and how governance plays a role in Web three, and at that point, Hedera is, is is the the gold standard at that point. And I mean, Manson Lehman both say that it could turn out to be true. And there's a part of me that that goes, um, people talk about the next bull run being a utility bull run, but there's also a part of me that kind of goes like, you know, it's like when you go to get the ice cream cone and you've got the vanilla chocolate swirl, it's like, is it utility and governance? Do you need both? Because if you just have utility in this political climate right now, and we look at the the, the forecast of when these, uh, you know, particular sets of whatever it is, legislation, they're talking about spring and summer and all these different types of things. And I kind of go... Also, we're talking about a bull run happening, you know, later this year. And I kind of go like, do you need do you need that secret sauce? Do you need that governance? Um, are we going to start to see other networks start to um, elaborate a little more on how they're governed and talk about it? And, it, it, you know, it's just going to be it's just going to be interesting. I think that um, just to, you know, quickly reference that Mike Maloney interview that he did with the H Barbell is um, a huge element to this is also that just um Bitcoin had first mover advantage. Bitcoin was first. That's it also is just that's partially the case is Bitcoin was the first one. And that's also a big part of it. So I don't think this is to knock Bitcoin or say that Bitcoin doesn't play a role in the future. I think that it's just about the shift of conversation and um, people like literally just people in government understanding how this stuff, uh, you know, works more. And something else I wanted to bring up uh, just before I kind of like start ripping through the news is. 
Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because it's you know an item I want to talk about, but I couldn't think of anyone better to 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 chop it up with. Is um, I've been noticing Hedera like getting so much more bold with their, you know, I don't want to say marketing or branding, but just like <laughs> maybe I could just put it as simply as their tweets. Like we're seeing a side of this organization, um, and from what I'm familiar with, a lot of these messaging has to be run through the governing council and approved through legal and blah, blah, blah. But some of the things Hedera is tweeting, like I think recently they tweeted something to the effect of if crypto is chaos, Hedera is order. And then also earlier today, just before the show, um, Hedera tweeted, um, you know, health and safety standards in any industry are crucially important. Some things never change. We at Hedera understand the need to provide a consistently functional optimally secure and provably fair technology of web three stay safe out there we will always have open arms and they you know a funny image where it's like you know days since last network outage 935 caution fear ordering only obviously a jab at solana that the network i don't know is up again yet uh Hedera's pulling less and less punches. I'm curious, like, if you've kind of seen that theme a little bit about Hedera getting, like, way more bold with some of the, um, arguably going on the offense a little bit. Well, I mean, I think to tackle your first thing, um, talking about um, regulation, like, I don't necessarily think that it deals uh, so much in governance rather than it deals in what can potentially affect the traditional financial system right now? So what needs regulated first? Like, I think they went after Ripple for a very definitive reason. Um, if you look at kind of the financial stability aspects around the U.S. dollar and and some of the other major players that operate, you know, major fiat currencies that make the world run, I don't think it's by mistake that they went after Ripple. Um, but then on top of that, you look at stable coins, um, I think the whole Luna thing and the TU, uh, the 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 stable dollar or whatever through Terra, the algorithmic one, it is not by mistake that that thing I think crashed. Like I, I and I don't even know what to say about it, not to put my tinfoil hat on or not, but um, I mean, look, like you know, you need something that's backing a stable coin. Like why why would I hold something? It's it's the whole argument around Tether forever. Like, is there really the backing? Um, it, you know, I think that's why I generally don't like the tether aspect too because i mean there's been so many crazy things surrounding bitcoin i think they're going to regulate stable coins probably as soon as possible i would guess within the next year and a half maybe two years maybe definitely by by the time you start seeing tier one cbdc's go live stable coins will 100 be regulated i think payments and settlements after that 100 so any crypto assets could potentially interoperate with regulated stable coins and the regulated system are going to be regulated. Um, but then you look out into like, are we going to kill the golden goose from like the, uh, the NFT aspect, the DeFi aspect, the, and it, it's one thing that I think Hedera did very smartly because ripple tackled a very definitive use case, which was cross border payments and settlements and the liquidity trapping of X, Y, and Z within Nostro and Vostro, which, and, and Ethereum went the DAP route, which was very much so open source, everything, let community build upon it. And then you see metrics like TVL, which are total fucking bullshit metrics, in my opinion, because like, just because you have total value locked on a network doesn't mean it's liquid. How many rug pulls happened on Ethereum? How many things happened on Ethereum that just 
don't even exist anymore. How many? Well, here, just there, there's a great point on that was something that um, uh, I think it was Scott Thiel at DLA Piper, you know, Hedera Governing Council member said he and again, I don't know if this is correct. I've, I've heard a lot of people, you know, give great arguments as why this is not actually that accurate or relevant. But he's mentioned that a, a better representation instead of total value locked is total value represented. And I think that comes from the place of DLA Piper having tokenized like half a billion in securities. I'll give you some Hedera, you know, Brandon. Sure. All right, let's go. Back in October, November of last year, I was in a discussion with Zenobia and Christian from Swirl. And both of them said, you know, we... From the Hedera standpoint, I think there's going to be a real thought process around looking at not, you know, not TVL, but THC, which is total assets tokenized. How many real world assets are being tokenized and utilized on these ledgers and having metrics around that? And that's super cool to hear, like, just because that was like six months ago, right? And they're forward thinking enough to realize the same things that we're saying right now, where TVL might be a bullshit metric. How many real world assets that have real world value that are liquid, that can function, that aren't going to be necessarily as risky? How many can be tokenized on these ledgers? What's being utilized? How are they being utilized? And which ledgers are they being utilized on? You know, that's that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that as we start to see. Web3 evolve and the crypto space evolve, the glossary of and and kind of the the um, the language that we use to kind of like articulate what it's about is going to change because soon, I, I mean, the hopes are that we're not going to have these two separate financial worlds or these two separate worlds. Um, it's not going to be like Web3 and Web2. Um, things are just kind of going to merge together and we're going to start to see a, a huge shift across those places. But I think the first step is, yeah, kind of redefining like what uh, denotes a successful, highly used network. What is that? And I think that right now the metrics and KPIs that we have in place might not be um, super accurate. I mean, Hedera is really the first time where I've started really focusing on transactions per second. The light bulb hit with the comparisons to Visa and all these different types of things. I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So it's about being able to look through all sorts of different lenses. Now, I want to start getting to the news. I want to start ripping through things, but... Um, I'm going to hop off, Brandon, so that's perfect. My wife's listening to Nina Simone right now. <laughs> right on. So I'm going to enjoy that with her, eat a chicken burrito and get the hell off of a space call on a Sunday. So uh, kudos <laughs> to you for doing these consistently, bro. Uh, everybody down there in the chat, man. Um, you guys are all great. So I'll talk to you guys later. Really appreciate you. Take care, man. Enjoy those. Um, all right. So um, diving into it, um, top story of the week is the payment from Hedera to Swirls. Now, this is, a, this is a really, really big deal, and this is really important. There's a lot of context. So what's happening is by March, by, it, by the end of March, Hedera will be sending about three and a half, four billion HBAR to Swirls, right? That's a lot of HBAR. And what, what is that about? So for, you know, for people new, it's good to understand how big and important this is. That is a lot of money. That's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's being done at a time when HBAR is at a really low price. So, for example, if HBAR were at, you know, back at all-time highs of 40, 50 cents, 
they would be sending 400 million HBAR instead of 4 billion. Um, so really important to have context here. And it's a really important big deal. So let's just unpack this a little bit because this is a big story this week. Swirls is a company, specifically Swirls Labs, is a company that is run by Mance and Lehman, right? They're co-CEOs. Mance and Lehman aren't at Hedera. But if we flash back to 2016, Swirls, you know, was kind of the same. It was Mance and Lehman there, and they were working on this really cool new thing called Hashgraph. And they wanted to do it as a private network. Um, later, you know, through various parties, they were convinced to do a public network. And then the rest is history, right? They created Hedera. They, you know, enacted the concept of the governing council. We had these new governing council members. HBAR was minted. Um, all these different types of things. A lot of things happened. But Manson Lehman were at Hedera during that period. Um, at, you know, Manson's CEO, Lehman as a chief scientist, um, and all these different types of things. Swirls, you know, was and still is a governing council member, right? Alongside IBM, Dell, um, Ubisoft, Avery Dennison, right? Google. And the interesting thing about Swirls is Swirls is the only permanent governing council member, right? So all the governing council members are term limited and Swirls is a permanent governing council member. And last year, a lot of key players, a lot of key folks left Hedera and moved to Swirls. That includes Lehman and Mance, um, other characters like Zenobia, Christian Hasker. And that was a lot to digest for the community. It was kind of a moment of like, oh my goodness, like what's happening? People are leaving Hedera. But um, as we work through that, here's where we're at now, right? It's been this way for a long time and Mance and Lehman are at Swirls. And Swirls Labs, right? Swirls essentially builds and maintains the network. They're the ones that organize and run uh, events like Davos or ETH Den Denver coming up. They're the ones that um, represent Hedera there. Same as an, any other governing council member would go and represent Hedera. Um, Swirls Labs is just another one, but they're a very prominent governing council member. And it's, it, you know, it's also cool that the founders are there. The inventor of the hash graph algorithm is at Swirls. And Hedera, the organization, the governing council, has determined that um, Swirls is going to be paid to perform a lot of work to develop the network, right? To, um, for example, harden the network as they get ready to scale, to um, continue developing the gossip algorithm, to bring time to finality down, um, to add new features, to push through new hit proposals, to bring things like mutable NFTs, um, uh, new uh, scheduled transactions so we can have secure trades in Hashpack that last longer than 30 minutes. Um, all these core features of the network, Swirls performs a lot of those and it takes money. And these payments were sent to Swirls and that's kind of a bit of background of this. And now we have the tweet from Hedera that's in the thread that you can go and reference. It's a four-part thread, but basically it's highlighting that, um, hey, do you remember that uh, thing that we wrote about a while ago in regards to payments that we're going to be making to Swirls? We're going to be making those payments now. And I believe originally it was back in April. So April 2022, last year, um, it was announced that they would be, um, you know, purchasing the IP uh, from Swirls for Hedera, right? So they could, you know, as we know, open source 
the hash graph, um, and also make payments to Swirls. So now that time is here. Well, <laughs> HBAR is a lot cheaper than it was, and they're going to be sending billions and billions of HBAR. And the key concern here was this, is if you're sending Swirls, you know, three, four billion HBAR, what does that mean? It, you know, they're going to be holding a huge portion of the whole of Hedera, or sorry, the whole of HBAR that could be minted. There's only going to be 50 billion HBAR minted, right? And Swirls is going to have, you know, three, four billion of that. And these are prepayments for services for 2023 and 2024. And that was the concern initially. What's going on? They have this HBAR. Are they going to dump it? What's happening? So there's two things here. And there's quite a few things that you can um, go and look up. I think Bank Social just recently wrote a really great article um, just before I started the show that I'll be sharing later, um, kind of breaking down the situation. Um, but the key thing here, it, well, there's two key things here. One is Swirls is not going to be doing anything with this HBAR um, immediately. What it, what's going to be happening is they're going to be selling HBAR to, you know, pay for salaries. Um, maybe they're doing some kind of, um, you know, funding for different projects. Uh, maybe there's marketing initiatives for Hedera. Maybe there's uh, different types of expenditures that they have. And effectively, they with HBAR at its current price, this puts them at a runway of, you know, 100 plus, maybe 120, 130 million dollars a year, which looking at it from a high level, right? 120, 130 million a year to stand up this network, get it out of beta, scale it, build in new features does seem fairly reasonable. But it still brings us to the second point, which is, well, what happens if the value of HBAR goes up? And so both um, Zenobia and Christian uh, from Swirls um, highlighted a couple things is um, if the price of HBAR goes up, um, then future payments that'll be made to Swirls will be less. Or if HBAR goes up enough, potentially some HBAR will be returned. Um, these payments are basically prepayments on different things that are going to be adjusted based off of the depreciation or appreciation of HBAR. So if HBAR were to continue to go down, right, Hedera would send more HBAR to Swirls, which I... I <laughs> Not a great situation. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but if HBAR goes up and appreciates, then less HBAR will be sent or there may be a case where HBAR is returned. And this HBAR will be sold in the market um, ongoing at you know a reasonable pace. It's not like there's going to be a dump or anything like that. Also, too, this does accelerate um, the distribution of HBAR, right? As we know... New HBAR from the Treasury is released into the market in various ways regularly. Um, and until all 50 billion HBAR is released to the market, um, it could be difficult to see um, strong, sustained upward price appreciation. And we've kind of known that for a while. But things like this definitely expedite that process, right? And to me... Doing such a thing does show how much confidence Hedera and Swirls have in this network. To me, it, it, it kind of appears in a way that an action like this shows that almost it's almost like they expect 
um, Hedera to continue to scale and grow um, and appreciate. Um, I I think that for me, there's still more to look into with this payment, but the Coles notes, scanning over it, digesting it, and looking at the follow up commentary from you know folks at Swirls and 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 you know different use cases and different takes on this is this is actually um you could there's a strong argument that this is a really 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 good thing um and this will just expedite the development of the network because again most of the development's being done by Swirls so in my mind um this HBAR is going to an organization that's dedicated to developing for the ecosystem, helmed by the founders of the organization and the inventor of the Hashgraph algorithm, who are also, by the way, developing things like DREC, right? Decentralized Recovery and Custody. Um, they're hiring, and that's a product that they're launching that they're going to be offering open source, free and available to every network. And, you know, Lehman has mentioned that they're talking to other networks right now of how to integrate this so people don't have to worry about losing their private keys or their seed phrases and can recover those things in a decentralized fashion. They also won't have to worry about um, an exchange keeping custody of their crypto. That can also be done in a decentralized fashion. Another pillar to mass adoption. So if the funds are being used for that, um, I don't have a ton to complain about. I would say that on this topic, pay attention to this. There's going to be a lot of commentary about it as more and more folks find out about it. Um, and there's going to continue to be debate about this. But I will say that it is a testament to the transparency of the organization that um, they let us know that they'd be doing this months ago, early last year. They're doing it. They've let us know what's changed, that it's been executed in a public forum that people can comment on, right? And people are digesting it. There will probably be conversations around this from the meeting minutes, uh, from any recent meeting um, that they'll publish. So it's a transparent organization. A transparent organization doesn't equate to um, things happening that you want to have happen. Um, I do think that Hedera is going to do things that maybe don't make sense, uh, maybe because we're out of the loop and we don't know all the different pieces, um, but maybe um, there's input that needs to, you know, many times Hedera has listened to feedback and, and, you know, changed their ways on different topics when it comes to things like community engagement and different things like that. But I will say that as much as we love to see the network grow and all these different great things, uh, you know, there's going to be some things that happen that are confusing or maybe things that we don't like. Let's take a beat. Let's educate ourselves on what's happening. The information's there. Let's digest it. Let's pay attention. I expect for more conversation around this to happen over the coming weeks. So I'm going to pay attention to it. It's big. Again, billions of HBAR, right, is being involved in a transaction, going to a governing council member. Pay attention to it. Um, and, you know, take it easy. Take it slow. You know, don't, don't get freaked out. Um Next item is a video that I shared to that I'm pretty sure everybody has seen. It's a video of um, a point of sales system, kiosk, whatever you want to call it, that's leveraging Avery Dennison 
that instead of a regular checkout where you'll be scanning items with a little scanner gun, it's a basket that you just drop items in. It uses the um, NFC technology um, to just scan those items as you throw them in the basket. Very, very cool. It's not quite clear if it uses Hedera technology. Um, the TikTok, which also features a, 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 a banger track by Post Malone in the background, it being a TikTok, of course. Um, it says, you know, this is the future of mass adoption. This is uh, Hedera, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know who, exactly who filmed this. I don't know um, what exactly this is about, but it's a very cool point of sale system. You drop it in the basket. It scans it. It it, it looks really cool. Um, it would, if it's, if it is leveraging Hedera, if it is leveraging Atma.io in that capacity, it would add another, um, you know, pit stop on the product journey when you scan that tag, um, like we saw in the demo at Davos. So go watch the video. I added a disclaimer reply because the way that I worded my, my tweet when I shared it was kind of like, this is what the future of adoption looks like without actually understanding whether it's using Hedera or not. I don't know. It is using Avery Dennison, right? It is using Atma.io, but it is worth remembering that if you want to leverage HCS on Hedera via Atma.io as a user of that platform, you have to opt in. So we'll have to see, but very cool. Um, I also shared in the thread at the top of the space is a link to a PDF that kind of breaks down a lot of crazy things that Avery Dennison is working on with Atma.io. Um, so there's like tons of alpha in there. Go check it out. Uh, coupon Bureau, coupons, uh, you, it wouldn't be a Hashgraph News and Rumors without talking about coupons, folks. Um, 81.12, the new coupon standard is going to be using Hedera, yada, yada, yada. I've talked about it many times. Literally go back and listen to any episode. Um, you know, it, I talk about coupons a lot. Um, but one new development with this use case that does excite me is when it comes to mass adoption of crypto, we talk about mass adoption of Web3, everyone's going to use Web3, you know, all these exciting things. But we also talk about the fact that not everybody has a smartphone, right? Not everybody has internet. Um, how are we going to, you know, work with that? Especially coupons, people use paper for those. And the Coupon Bureau has talked about how paper coupons can leverage, right? Hedera HCS, that's great. But what about like people that don't have smartphones? Uh, you know, there is a staggering amount of people, you know, in America and Canada that do not use smartphones or cannot use smartphones, can't afford them, don't have access to them. Um, they use flip phones, right? They use phones that use basic messaging. And what the Coupon Bureau has, has uh, you know, uh, published is a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll call it an outline of how they want to create digestible information about coupons for people that don't have these smartphones and who doesn't have smartphones, you know, grandma, right? Who uses coupons a lot? Grandma. So if grandma could get a little message to her phone that says, Hey, here's your coupon. Show this to the cashier. Beep, boop, beep, boop. There's your coupon, right? That's really great. They have, a, they have a whole messaging standard and, and uh, you know, serialization prefix that they've developed. Um, and they've got all these different things. So check out this article. It's really great. Um, I hope to see more and more things like this um, alongside the conversation about mass adoption for crypto. It's so important. Not everyone is using, you know, I'm talking to, you know, I'm talking to you guys on an iPhone 14. I got a MacBook. You know, 
tons of folks don't use that stuff. They don't want to be bothered with it or they can't afford it. They don't have access to it. Um, and we're talking about coupons, right? The, the, the thing that ties us all together, everybody uses a coupon, whether it's a piece of paper and a thing you get in the mail or, uh, you know, some crazy thing you get in like VR or something. I don't know. Uh, long story short, more people can use coupons. Check that out. Um, in Canada, we've got a service called Wealthsimple. Wealthsimple is interesting because they do, um, I mean, folks in the U.S. may have heard of them. I think they do some products for the U.S., but they do things like buying and trading stocks, similar to Robinhood. Um, they also have a crypto trading thing. They also have a managed um, investments thing that you know balances some ETFs, right? Like exchange-traded funds, bundles of stocks. Automated, very nice, very great. Managed, it's slick, it's clean, it's it's benefico. I don't even know if that's a word. Apologies. And um, they also support HBAR, Hedera, which is great. So Wealthsimple in Canada is huge. Um, they have they you know they have they manage uh, you know billions and billions and billions in customer dollars that are in in tons of investments and with their crypto products again the best you know comparison is Robinhood um, they do offer HBAR which is crazy and amazing and they also have a kind of Mastercard that they offer that allows you to you know hold money in your Wealthsimple account again there's probably comparable products in the U S. And you, you know, pay with this MasterCard that uses this balance that you have on the app. And then your rewards can be used across their various suites of products. It can be thrown into your stock portfolio. It can, you know, the, the leftover change can be thrown into your crypto. And now they're offering the ability to do that with HBAR. So literally in Canada right now, you've got a Wealthsimple MasterCard and you're buying stuff at the grocery store and you want to take your cash back, right? They offer 1% cash back. Um, you want to round up to the nearest dollar. You want to take that and you want to buy HBAR with it automatically within the Wealthsimple crypto ecosystem. You can do that now. That's happening right now. I'm going to go set it up. Obviously, it's 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 custodial. Um, but, you know, luckily, Wealthsimple is, I think, CIDC insured and stuff like that. So, it's, you know, not financial advice, but you've got a credit card or debit card and you use it to buy things and your cash back or you round up to the nearest dollar, that can go to HBAR. That's happening right now. It's crazy. It's nuts. Um, there's a new service called HBAR Fuel Service. I had the pleasure of seeing this website before it was password protected. Um, it launched and this goes off of a conversation that I've been having on Twitter back and forth with a couple people. Um, in regards to how enterprises are going to use Hedera, obviously enterprises are not going to want to keep huge amounts of HBAR on their balance sheet. Um, they're not generally going to want to do that. But also, you know, people will argue that. But when you look at, um, you know, enterprises having to manage volatile assets, you have huge enterprises that will do certain things like hedge various currencies um, all these different types of things. They also have to manage, you know, some enterprises have to manage multiple currencies that fluctuate all the different ways and everything like that. So this service is uh, delivering something that I think is really important is when you have an enterprise that wants to use the Hedera network, obviously to use Hedera, you have to go out and buy HBAR to pay for transactions that happen on Hedera. But big enterprises aren't necessarily going to want to buy HBAR they're just going to want to use the network and they're going to want to get an invoice every month or every quarter. 
So that's what I think this service is about. And I think it's one of the first ones that I've seen. HBAR Fuel Service, which basically is, from what I understand, going to be a service that provides a solution to what I'm talking about is I'm an enterprise. I don't want to buy HBAR. I want to use the network. I go to this service and they um, help uh you know, manage my usage of the network and charges me and I pay them and they handle the HBAR transactions and all those different types of things. This is important. This is going to be something that needs to happen. We're going to have these intermediaries that help these enterprises and invoice them, right? Every month or every quarter uh, for using the network. Um, so a lot of these big companies, they are not going to buy HBAR, but they are going to want to use the network. How do they do that? It's going to be services like this. So this is on my radar, HBAR fuel service. Um, so we saw um, near the end of the year 2022, a huge, huge spike in um, account creation. What was that about? We talked about that last year. What was going on? And Brady from uh, Hedera, you know, clarified this or sorry, Brady from Swirls. It turns out that that was Curious.com, right? A service called Curious. And Curious is a platform that will allow users to interact with the Hedera network in various ways without needing to purchase HBAR. Again, going on this theme a little bit um, about what's happening. And there's a press release that went out literally, uh, I guess, uh, not today, the 22nd it went out. The headline was Curious Superpowers NFTs on Hedera with 120,000 new accounts in 24 hours. Um, so the website, curios.com, um, right away we see Visa and MasterCard logo. We see Ethereum, Solana, uh, Binance, uh, Avalanche, Algorand. Um, we see all these different networks. We see all these different, um, you know, different tools and uh, services, um, credit cards, custody wallets, drop pages, whitelist builders, um, secure streaming, airdrops by email, all these different things out there. It seems like a very established use case that has created, you know, over 100,000 accounts on Hedera relatively quickly and will be using the network. Um, and when we look at their products, um, it does seem compelling. It does seem like um, a few things that various use cases on Hedera desperately need. And the major one that I'm seeing is credit cards. And they say on their, on their uh, products page, accept credit cards for anyone minting NFTs on your site. No wallet or crypto required. So this is something I've seen people talk about for a long time is... We need to be able to purchase NFTs with credit cards. Um, I did it, right? Galaxy, um, that's a use case on Hedera, did an NFT mint where in Canada, I used my uh, credit card and I bought an NFT. It's in my hash pack right now um, with my credit card, which was crazy, but it's very difficult to do. There was, you know, I think the statistic is when you purchase an NFT via a credit card, um, the transaction will fail half of the time. So anyone that can crack that is going to be a winner. It seems like Curious alongside Circle 
are trying to crack that. Um, and uh, Curious is creating over 100,000 accounts on Hedera very quickly, and they're integrating with Hedera. So that's very cool. Keep an eye out. Curious. Uh, very interesting stuff. Um, also, we've got an interesting post that I want to highlight. I, you know, I'm kind of getting a little philosophical on the show today. I was talking about the, you know, the Mike Maloney show and how we don't want to be like Bob. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you'll have to listen to the recording and go back. Talk a lot about Bob. It's not a real person, by the way. Um, there's a post that was made on the Hedera community subreddit that I found really fascinating. And I always try to pay attention to conversations sparked by people outside of the ecosystem coming in because um, I always find it enlightening. So this individual asks, quote, if Hedera only has 28 or so nodes and Bitcoin has 11,000 and Ethereum has 8,000, why do you choose Hedera for long-term usage slash winner? And, uh, there's a great conversation uh, about this, and it's, I just wanted to highlight a couple responses to this question. Um, top comment, and I'll just read it verbatim. Quote, just because it has more nodes, it doesn't mean it is more decentralized. Decentralization is only as strong as the weakest link. It comes down to percentage of nodes being on the same host provider. Right, Ryan King Solomon was talking about that earlier when it came to like Amazon and running a lot of that infrastructure. Also, percentage of nodes belonging to one entity, user or pool. Percentage of stake or hash power belonging to one entity, user or pool. So again, we, we also talked about that earlier on the show. In my decentralized book, Hedera is winning the long game. So there's another response to that comment. And this person says, quote, also, one of those nodes on competing networks, oh, sorry, uh, quote, also most of those nodes on competing networks are not participating in consensus and are just free riding along as only a subset actually vote each round. On Hedera, all nodes participate in every round when shading occur, when, oh, and when sharding occurs, and there will be many more nodes that will participate. So basically the argument here is, um, again, going back to what Mance was saying with his um, Paul Barron interview, effectively on Ethereum and Bitcoin, you have a very small handful of validators, nodes, hashing pools, making decisions and driving the network. Very small number, less than 28. Yes, you have thousands and thousands of nodes, but when it comes to the ones that have the power, the ones that are actually participating, it's a very, very small amount, definitely less than 28. So that's something to keep in mind. And um, I think that, you know, something that I will say that I've heard Lehman's mention was um, Hedera saw the issue where a network would start out incredibly decentralized and then continue getting more and more and more and more centralized, which over the years since him saying that has kind of started to hold true which is really interesting. But he also mentioned that Hedera wanted to start uh, more centralized and then continue becoming more and more and more decentralized. And we've continued to see that. Now we're going to have community nodes coming. 
Um, those those have been delayed on the roadmap, worth noting, and I talked about that last week. And then we're also going to have permissionless nodes. So I think that Hedera continues to have the right approach, but I also think that more knowledge and education needs to be done around how Bitcoin and Ethereum operate as networks and what actually governance is, right, versus what nodes are or validators are. What is governance? Is governance ownership, right? The fact that these council members each own an equal slice of Hedera. What is it, right? How does that function? Um, very interesting stuff. Just wanted to highlight that. Um, and I encourage everybody, pay attention to the stuff that people are talking about that have no clue what Hedera is. Because sometimes it's the most insightful stuff and sparks some of the most interesting conversations and you learn something because you're forced to look at it from another perspective. Um, EM Tech has a great update, um, which is a major validation of, I believe, their first CBDC design. Um, and uh, let me see here. BIS.org publishes a piece, Innovation and the Future of the Monetary System. Um, it's it's you know longer read. It doesn't mention Hedera specifically, although we do know that EM Tech um, CEO being Carmel Cadet, uh, you know, they are using Hedera for this. And a key quote that I wanted to pull from that is uh, a quote from the, I believe the author, um, Augustine Karstens, probably completely butchering that name. Um, the quote here is, um, viewed through this lens, it is clear that CBDCs and tokenized deposits do not represent new types of money. Instead, they replicate existing forms of money in a technologically superior way. Um, so that was a really interesting way to put it. And I think that when it comes to the conversation surrounding CBDCs, um, I think it's an important one. I think it's a very um, uh, energetic conversation. There's a lot of energy when, when we talk about CBDCs. There's a lot of different ways that they could go. Um, it could be very, very good. It could be very, very bad. Um but I definitely think that if you are um, looking at the topic of CBDCs um, and what's going on with those, a key player to pay attention to is EM Tech, right? If you're not paying attention to EM Tech, um, I would pay attention to that. There's a lot of interesting stuff um, happening with that. Um, shout out to, I saw um, Patches tune in. Patches, if you're around, uh, feel free to hop up. If you're just tuning in and chilling out, no worries, but... Um, would love to chat with you quick on uh, just some of the community initiatives you've been doing, um, which I think is really great. So uh, if we get patches calling in, um, we'll see. And it looks like we do. Uh, patches CEO, Turtle Moon Command Center. Um, I actually had uh, King Solomon on the show just the, you know a couple moments ago, um, and we were talking a little bit about um, some community initiatives. And I know you did one yesterday that was <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, do you want to do you want to touch on that real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was just popping in to, to listen to this. I'm always doing things during this time. So I saw that it was happening. I was like, oh, finally. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I could join. Uh, right on. So, so yesterday, uh, I was in a Solana spaces, and all of them were talking about how bored they were because Solana was down at like eight hours at that point. And then they closed it up, and I was like, all right, well, if there's a group of 30 people on Solana that are bored... 
maybe I can like throw up a space and just like give away some H bars. And I saw like uh, Seasons Punks were like 19 H bar floor. I was like, okay, well, yeah, I can like give like two or three people, maybe onboard them. Um, and then, so I threw up a space and then Binks joined um, and she co-hosted and she's like, I'm not very good at promoting spaces. I usually like just talking to people I like to talk to. Um, but she set it up where she like she changed the title so it was like hype <laughs> and she uh, invited a bunch of people and we um, it just like slowly snowballed um, we're like after 30 minutes we had like a room of like 50 and then it got to like over 100 I think 500 listeners in total we had Christian Hasker up there answering some alpha on Hedera you know um, King Solomon came by um, some really big people in Kronos came by and it was just it turned into like this um we I onboarded some people after it, and so we got like about forty three different people with a hash pack with uh, some H bar and then an NFT, and um, yeah, it was just some good vibes. Four hour little space um, talking about Hedera and, and onboarding people while Solana was down, and it was it was good. You know, no one was saying oh, Solana sucks. You know, we we were all just like, hey, if you're bored, you can come over here and try out free H bar, free NFTs. You got nothing else to do, why not? And that that I think is the tone. Um, you know, bashing people about the network they've chosen is never a good a call and is never going to get people to adopt your, what you think is a better one. So um, I just, yeah, the whole, the whole vibe was, was community and um, yeah, joy, joyful. I love that. Um, and, I, you know, just before you joined, I was just talking about a little bit of a theme in regards to some posts I've seen on like the community subreddit, as we start to see more and more people enter the ecosystem, people asking these questions like, Oh, Hedera only has 28 nodes and Bitcoin has 11,000 or um, this and that, that, that we kind of know answers to that maybe are questions we had ourselves at some point that but were answered long ago. But when we look at, uh, you know, a pool of people that maybe don't know anything about Hedera, maybe it's their first interaction with the network. Um, I was really curious, like, were there any talking points or questions or misunderstandings or um, kind of like experiences that kind of stood out to you? Um, that maybe kind of we should keep in mind as we kind of onboard new people? No. Um, and I think that was kind of like the silver lining where I didn't have one person ask me how to get past hashpack setup. You know, they all, they all understood that. Only first point was like, if you didn't have a pin on your wallet, um, you can't open up on a mobile phone. You need like a pin or a biometrics. Uh, and then the other, the mechanics of Hedera, I mean, I guess I think I'm getting really good at explaining it in prep for ETH Denver. I was just in an XRP um, spaces today and talked about it for half an hour. But the, you know, when, when they're, I think when, you know, like Solana people, when their chain was down, they're not really terribly inquisitive about Hedera. They're just like, yeah, this is cool. Like a new NFT market. I don't even know about Hedera. And so instead of explaining the network mechanics, it was much more about giving them the user experience of Hedera and having them decide how they felt about it through that. And it was, you know, stunning reviews from, from everyone who did it because, you know, Hashpack is a great app, Zeus is a great market. And it was intentional that I didn't just give people like, hey, associate this token, I'll send you an NFT. Because I wanted them to try a marketplace um, and actually hook up their wallet and have to like, you know, shop and buy. And so that they got the full kind of soup to nuts experience. And it's unfortunate, like obviously there's multiple marketplaces, multiple wallets. Um, the reason I did Zeus and Hashpack is mainly on the focus on first touch user experience and onboarding is, I think, the the most streamlined out of those two. That's a personal preference. Um, 
but um yeah as as we onboard more people i think uh being more diverse in 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 that intention is is going to be a part of my strategy as well i love that like i think that's like that's a huge thing if if there's somebody that's curious about hedera that you come across in a spaces or in dms or um maybe you're just casually bring it up and they're curious like you know what you did you you sent some h bar and you said hey go grab this thing here and i'll help you get it set up if you need to but yeah i think it's the experience is more important than actually understanding it i think that once you have a positive experience with something and you can do something cool that's something um to build off of so i i actually appreciate that approach much more um than just kind of like talking about the network, explaining things, all these different types of things. But I know you're busy, you're working away, but I wanted to give you um, a chance because I know you're always like working on really interesting things. I know you're going to ETH Denver um, and different things like that. So I want to maybe give you a moment to see if there's anything that you wanted to highlight or that's interesting from the community or um, anything that's you know top of mind for you right now. Always really kind of curious to see uh, what's interesting in, in Patches land. Yeah, patches land. Um, definitely, I'm just I am focused on um, talking points for Hedera. I will be running the booth with the Hedera um, group for the three days, um, so I want to make sure I'm I'm brushed up on that. I'm right now finishing up my future of token gated voting um, speech that I'll be giving Feb 28th to the Dow Denver Dow um, event. Uh, so I'll have I think. I don't know the time length, but I should know that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll be giving that uh, speech. And then I have another one talking about um, the difference between asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance and Byzantine fault tolerance um, for uh, another blockchain meetup um, that's happening during East Denver. So yeah, I, I, it's kind of weird. I haven't been engineering the last couple of days and uh, my brain <laughs> misses it, I guess, but uh, yeah, just lining up all of the, the talking points, making sure all the vents are, are are tidied up, all of the collateral, like our business cards are ready, and uh, just prep. It's a, it's a lot of prep. Um, a lot of work goes into conferences, and then trying to find the people that you want to meet and getting meetings on the books before the conference starts is another pretty big call out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, that's that's Patches Land. I lo- I love that. I there's I was gonna actually reach out to you. Um, uh, tomorrow I was going to be like, oh, I wonder if I could get patches on while he's at, while he's at ETH Denver, just have him like next Sunday, like have him uh, call into the show and like, hey, I'm at the booth and you know, I'm with so-and-so like, I'm like, oh, that'd be hilarious. So I mean, if you're around next Sunday, like if you hop on, I'll bring you up. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Cause it runs till this March 6th, right? I actually believe the core event is the second, third and the fourth. Okay. And then the fifth the fifth event still happening, but there's none of the booths or the main events. I'm not staffing it. So I think I might actually not even be at East Denver on the fifth. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, what, I mean, it, that, that's, that stuff is really awesome. And I think that when we look at what it takes to grow a network and stuff like that, I think that the stuff you're doing is like, um, right it hits right to the heart of it i mean when mance we we talked about that interview that mance did earlier on the show with um with uh, paul baron and paul baron was like 
oh, so it, it you know it must really matter who's on the governing council because that's who's building. And, and Mance was like, no, like the network's not going to depend on on the governing council to be successful. I mean, the network depends on them for governance, but largely the growth of the network and a lot of these key KPIs going up is due to the community and and due to um, I would infer from that a lot of the stuff that you know is very similar to what you're doing is like really grassroots onboarding people. Everybody building a major use case on Hedera, driving real network growth. That started from someone just kind of like sitting down, showing them something and, you know, them having a great experience with it. So really appreciate what you're doing, man. I don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, really appreciate you coming up. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, takes a village, you know, everyone uh, does their part yeah. and I try to do mine. And um, yeah, I'm excited about this event. It's going to be really cool. Uh, we got some HBF Punk stickers were to be given out. Um, so if you do come to East Denver, come by the Hedera booth, and they'll have some stickers <laughs> for you. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop down the listeners, but um, yeah, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, always a pleasure, man. Really appreciate everything you're doing in the community. Um, so and also too, like just as as patches hops down, um, one one funny story I will share is. When I first got started in, um, in, in Hedera, in the ecosystem, um, I started a project, Pixel Rug, an NFT project back in um, the fall, early winter of 2021. Literally unprompted, you know, Patches just reached out to me. I had no idea who he was or what was going on. And he's just like, hey, here's some tips of how to like make your Discord a little better. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, great. That's fantastic. And I, th- and I think that that gave me the same feeling that a lot of people had on that spaces yesterday, getting onboarded to Hedera of just someone reaching out, being like, Hey, uh, I, you know, here's something cool you can check out. And, um, I think that that's, what's going to push everything forward. So appreciate you. Um, now next story involves Spotify, not really a story, not really a rumor, not really breadcrumb. I don't even know if this even loosely qualifies, um, for the show, but I wanted to bring it up because we're starting to see a bit of a trend of web two companies, um, really growing their interest in web three a great example is shopify um and apologies in advance i always mess up and i say shopify when i meant to say spotify etc so if 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 i do that try to put it together in your own head but shopify um has launched tooling for web three which would allow you to connect a wallet to a store hosted through shopify um, on a network and when you connect your wallet based off of the contents of your wallet would be able to do simple token gating, you know, so would be able to change your experience of the e-commerce store. So display different products that you maybe wouldn't see if you didn't connect your wallet, uh, maybe offer you different prices, maybe different variants of the products, all these different types of things, right? Merging that web two and web three world, you have a, a traditional web two e-commerce store and you want to bring new value to people through Web3, you basically go, hey, if you have this NFT in your wallet, connect it to the Shopify store, you now have an enhanced experience. Really interesting. We are seeing token gating as the um, mechanism in which some of these major Web2 companies dip their toes in the Web3 world. And the latest into the fold is Shopify. There's a a Cointelegraph article headline um, Shopify started testing Web3 wallets integration. And this is the same thing. 
connect your wallet to your shop, sorry, Spotify. Was I saying Shopify? Connect your wallet to your Spotify and a very similar thing changes your experience. Maybe you see some playlists that you didn't see before, maybe some songs, maybe there are different, you know, various merchandise and digital collectibles available on an artist profile, ticket price, whatever it could be. A token gated experience on Spotify, a token gated experience on Shopify. Um, we're, we're seeing other Web2 use cases, uh, you know, announce certain token gated features. A great example as well, very early last year was um, Spatial, which is a metaverse platform. They also announced the ability to connect your wallet and offer similar token gated experiences. So the business logic for token gating and how that can enhance a user experience and also as a mechanism to onboard people into Web3, really interesting. Um, and when we look at Spotify, we look at music, we look at all these different things, I kind of go in my mind, could the wave of tokenized music be happening sooner than we originally expect? Maybe. Um, obviously, you're not going to be connecting your hash pack to Spotify or Shopify. Um, but, you know, Hedera is a DLT. It does have promising fundamentals that these organizations would love. Is it going to happen? Yeah, I can definitely see it happening. When? No clue. But um, it is worth highlighting this, right? We're seeing more and more major Web2 brands dip their toes in Web3 via token gating. So keep an eye on uh, on Spotify. Keep an eye on those guys. They're always up to something. Um, also, too, I was going to talk about the next story, but I just had an idea. You know how on Spotify when you do those um, replay features and it shows like how many things you've listened to and all those different types of things? What if those were NFTs? I don't know. Anyone from Spotify listening, give me a call. I have some ideas. Um, Dovu. OG Hedera use case, carbon offsets, sustainability, ESG, all that. Um, I've had uh, Matt, CTO of Dovu on the show as a guest, um, geez, uh, five, six episodes ago. Um, but Dovu tweets the following, quote, carbon projects need capital ahead of the issuing of carbon credits. Forward contracts will enable more carbon to be stored, and we are committed to offer this solution to our clients. All, of course, built on chain for full transparency. Hashtag soon. Gosh, dang it, Dovu, you're hitting us with the soon already. What's that about? We do know that Dovu announced recently their integration with the, or sorry, Timeless announced their integration with Dovu. Um, all these different types of things. We did see some wacky price action with uh, Dove, right? The the underlying asset for Dovu. Um, and Dovu's making moves, guys. Dovu's doing pivots. Dovu wants to do a DAO. Dovu wants to do all sorts of different things. They're using that Dove emoji and they're doing all sorts of different things. Um, did the SEC deem the Dove emoji financial advice? Well, they did the rocket emoji and the moon emoji and the chart up emoji. By the time Dovu's done with this, maybe they're going to treat the Dove the same way. Not financial advice, by the way. Um, but yeah, Dovu's making moves. Keep an eye on them. I mean, it's unfortunate this is kind of like an announcement of an announcement, um, but it is what it is. Uh, so also recently, something I have to talk about, um, and again, not my opinion. I just wanted to surface a conversation that happened. 
it is summarized in a great Reddit thread or post um, in the community subreddit, the Hedera community subreddit. Check it out. Um, certain types of conversations can happen different ways. And unfortunately, we saw a conversation happen uh, from an HBAR Foundation grantee that I did find unfortunate. Um, and Heli Swap was talking about how um, the supply, the, the, the hard cap supply of a token is an indicator of the success of, of a project. And when people were talking about some tokens on Hedera having an infinite supply, but that project talking about um, a, a specific supply being set, a fixed supply, um, it brought up different conversations, right? And of course, Hedera is a great example of that. HBAR, um, it's been said, you know, forever will be capped at 50 billion HBAR. Technically, that could be an inc increased, but that's where the conversation of technology and governance and how those come together, you know, swirled as we talked about earlier on the show, being a permanent governing council member, also going to be a permanent no vote on an increase in HBAR. Um, it's, it's the governance that determines that. And HeliSwap in their white paper mentioned, uh, or sorry, in their documentation uh, mentioned that, quote, we have a hard capped maximum supply of uh, 888,888,888 Heli tokens um, in different buckets. And they entered into a dialogue on Twitter surrounding another token where um, it was, again, a conversation about, uh, you know, this project has, has an unlimited supply and these different types of things. And basically the takeaway from these conversations was, um, you know, the Heli token and HeliSwap does not have um, a hard cap supply. If you look up Heli token on Hashscan, it does have an infinite supply. So naturally you would go, what is the governance mechanism or governance structure that would create an environment that would um, support a quote, hard capped maximum supply, right? When they say hard cap maximum supply, you would figure that would be technically imposed by you know the actual token, but it's not. So it's a very nuanced conversation, and I do think it's unfortunate the way that HeliSwap went about that conversation, talking about other projects um, and how that happens, even going so far as to kind of compare themselves to Hedera. Obviously, a false equivalency because it hasn't been outlined what the governance model is for HeliSwap and how they can claim that their token is hard capped when it's programmatically not. So that's a conversation that, you know, is worth paying attention to and looking at. Again, um, not going to, you know, interject my own opinion too much, but I just wanted to give kind of the Coles notes on the conversation that I saw and the general kind of consensus around that conversation um, I don't know if HeliSwap has provided any updates or clarity. Um, I do know that they sent out a tweet to the effect of, hey, that was our social media person talking about these things. It doesn't represent the views or, um, you know, uh, talking points of our company and these different types of things. So, again, it's always worth um, looking at how governance is handled for different use cases on the network and any network, right? Um, I think that claims can be made, um, but in this case, it's a claim that isn't backed by technology 
and isn't backed by governance unless they can, you know, elaborate a little bit more about how their governance structure works, all those different types of things. So just wanted to bring that up, just wanted to highlight it. Um, again, not a knock against HeliSwap. They are an HBAR Foundation backed use case. I'm fairly certain that the HBAR Foundation has done their due diligence on them. They are a DEX, they're very successful. Um, and I'm sure are really great people. It could be the case that someone on their social media team was just popping off or something like that. But it is worth saying that, you know, it's not a great look to um, talk about things those way, that, that way. So just wanted to highlight that. It is worth having that conversation. Um, so a couple interesting things. I mean, we'll just rip through the rest of the news here. Um, Saucer Swap, another Dex on Hedera shared a teaser of a UI refresh that they're going to be launching. It features charts. It features um, a little bit more polished of a swapping interface. Um, really, really interesting. Really, really cool. Um, not a lot of information provided other than a date, March 7th. Um, so the Tuesday or the Monday, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe not the, the Tuesday. I don't know. The 7th of March. Um, an, a refreshed UI. Also, Saucer Swap announced integration with uh, Mises Browser, Mrs. Browser, um, M-I-S-E-S. -E Never heard of it. Probably, sh probably should. Um, but it's a DAP browser. Um, let me see here. Doing real-time research here. Um, so, yeah, this is basically a browser. That has built-in DApps. Saucer Swap is one of those. Um, again, branching out uh, their user base, people leveraging the network to do different swaps and participate in things. It's good stuff. Um, seems to be some good things coming from Saucer Swap. Um, another thing that I wanted to uh, talk about was um, a news item that involved Google and Tezos. Um, and I, this kind of prompted a tweet from me that I tweeted out where I was like, a, a huge problem, or, or what did I say? I can't remember what I said. Um, a huge issue with Web3 or a huge problem that you can get yourself into is um, dealing in kind of these false equivalencies, right? And I do see this very often um, in the Hedera ecosystem where you'll see a governing council member and they will announce or or... Um, another network or entity or they themselves will announce a partnership or a integration or something with another network. And, you know, first off, if you're a Google or if you're an IBM or whatever, um, despite being on the governing council member, those companies are going to want to diversify. They're not going to want to put all their eggs in one basket. But also, this is where we get into the topic of, the, you know, the false equivalency is, um, when you look at this headline in TechCrunch, Google Cloud partners with Tezos blockchain um, to bring Web3 technology to its customers. I'm not going to talk about this article specifically, but we have seen this um, in a lot of different ways. We've seen um, other networks announce partnerships with Amazon. And then it turns out like, oh, they're actually just using Amazon Web Services and anyone can really be a partner. If I've got a banana stand and I enter the Amazon partner program to use their services. I'm an Amazon partner. My banana stand is now an Amazon partner and I can write a headline with that. So there, there's also other nuances, to these types of announcements that you should really look into. Um, and this one falls in that same group where you look at Google's position with Hedera. Not only are, do they 
own a portion of the Hedera network. Not only do they actively participate in votes and governance on the network, even on-chain activities, and not only are they hosting the next in-person governing council meeting at their headquarters, um, but they are supposedly also building use cases for the network, right? It's been said that 90% of the current governing council is building use cases. So there's that versus Google offering their cloud services to run validator nodes for other networks. It's, it's, it's different. It's not the same thing. It's, it's, you can't compare apples to oranges. I mean, at the same time, it's all web three, it's all fruit, but you know, you kind of have to get into the nuances of it and start to break those things down. And I think that sometimes you see Hedera folks and they go, Oh my God, why is, you know, um, Avery Dennison working with some other network or something. You know, first off, Hedera is not going to be the only one. Second of all, enterprises aren't going to put all their eggs in one basket. And third, we're dealing with false equivalencies. You really have to look at some of these announcements. Um, it, you know, Mant said himself, you know, Hedera is really the gold standard when it comes to governance. A lot of us really have to have a high confidence in that or else we wouldn't be holding HBAR. And I think that these types of announcements are worth highlighting and just quickly touching on and providing a little bit of clarity because um, sometimes it gets away from you, you know. Um, now, there is one last thing, is there? I don't even know if there is a last thing. Do I have a last story? Oh, yeah, last story. Um, just wanted to quickly highlight a partnership between Lithos and Dead Pixels. Lithos, obviously the AAA gaming studio uh, co-founded by... Um, the uh, the minds and creator of um, Last of Us, Uncharted, all those different types of things. You know, AAA Gaming Studio, they're working on a game called Ashfall. They're doing their um, uh, comic book mints. By the way, um, the comic book mints, I mean, they originally they were doing them through a service called CoinZoom. Um, you know, for me, really, a, you know, subpar um, experience minting those. But but that's because I'm a Hedera user. If you're someone with a credit card or a different type of cryptocurrency, it was a lot easier than having to open a hash pack and do all these different types of things. So they actually managed to onboard a ton of people to Hedera, um, airdrop a ton of NFTs. So it's, a, again, a huge boon to the ecosystem. Um, on the flip side, they did recently work on some stuff with hash pack and a different launch pad for their comics. Seamless, right? Connect my hash pack. They have a shopping cart feature. I could just add the different comics I wanted in my shopping cart, do the tr transaction through Hashpack. You know, I tweeted out it was easier um, than doing an e-commerce purchase with my credit card. So huge shout out to them. But also, I mean, they did a, um, a uh, cross promo with um, Dead Pixels. And that to me is huge. You have Dead Pixels on one hand, which is a community brand that was an NFT project of cute little ghosts that started last year. And you have a AAA gaming studio, Lithos, that's, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things. And that is, you know, um, you know, not on the other side, but definitely, um, you know, a, diff a different vibe, right? Than kind of like a, a community NFT project. But they kind of work together. And when they come together, it just makes you go, wow. Like, I think that this NFT ecosystem, as small as the Hedera NFT ecosystem is, it is growing. But I think that... Um, it goes a lot deeper than I think we realize when you start to see partnerships like this with, you know, NFT projects that just got going recently. Um, and then, you know, year, year and a half later, 
they're doing partnerships with a you know a, a you know purported AAA gaming studio. I mean, that kind of stuff is really crazy. So huge shout out to Dead Pixels and Lithos. That stuff's really exciting. Um, but that really you know brings us to um, you know kind of the 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 last little bit. Oh, actually, there is one more thing I want to talk about. H Bar Bull did a weekly uh, report. Um, not the Mike Maloney video, but a different one um, earlier on the Saturday, I believe. And Rob Allen was on there. He talked about a couple different things. Um, I'm just going to share a couple insights from that uh, weekly video that he did because there's a lot of really good uh, tidbits in there. Um, so number one, Rob Allen reviewed that he loves Warhammer. Great. Um, and he also mentioned that um, this was some really interesting math. So Rob Allen, if, if you know folks don't know, he's kind of the head of ESG stuff at the HBAR Foundation, but he said he reckons that 10 million new accounts will fund the operation of the network as it stands. So when we look at the account creation fee and we look at um, 10 million new accounts being created, he says that alone, you know, ignoring any transactions that those accounts will perform and also any other actions that those accounts will do. Um, just the account creation fees for 10 million accounts will sustain the network. So that's really exciting um, and kind of perked my ears up a little bit. I didn't really think of, about that, but that makes it really cool. Um, he also noted um, that, uh, let me see here. Um, we talked a little last week about the um, FSCO use case, the fact that they were on MasterCard Provenance's solution, their kind of blockchain DLT solution, MasterCard Provenance was sunsetted. Those folks are coming to Hedera as the previous largest user of MasterCard Provenance. Um, and to that, Rob also says, we are definitely on MasterCard's radar now, which is, you know, really, really interesting to hear. Um, also, let me see here. Anything else interesting? Yeah, um, you know what? I took a bunch of notes, but I mean, it's like a lot of this stuff is some other things we already talked about that just came up naturally. So whatever. I mean, it's already 840. So, um, I mean, it, this show is, has grown from an hour to, you know, sometimes almost two hours, which is crazy. Um, so for me, um, you know, another week behind us, another week ahead. A huge shout out to everyone listening live on Twitter Spaces right now and an extra shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you may find yourself. If you have a moment, give the show a rating and review it on your favorite platform. Thank you, Patches and King Solomon for you know popping up, talking, sharing their thoughts and insights on the show. Um, and I mean, theme of this show, light at the end of the chasm. Um, this brings us back to like, you know, when when did Mance bring up this kind of example or this uh, analog? I think it was last year in the fall. Mance was talking about in response to it was kind of of a meme for a long time. You know, the Hedera mainnet wasn't always running at 500 transactions per second. Um, as recent as last year, you know, in the winter, it was running at like you know 10, 12 transactions per second. Like um, we were really, really down there, and that you know it was. I think even late 2021 that Mance was talking about a step function and things were going to be coming online and big and everything's great. And he was kind of called out on it numerous times. And last year in the fall, Mance um, brought up the example of the chasm, right? Where you have a ramp up in adoption, you have a peak, 
and then things settle down into kind of business as usual. And during that ramp up, you have this chasm where things kind of like disappear. The ground kind of comes out from under your feet and you have this blank space. And he noted that we're kind of in the chasm right now um, on all fronts, right? And that was at a time when we didn't even have the situation with Three Arrows Capital or FTX or all those different types of things. We don't have clarity still from a regulatory lens, um, all these different types of things. We don't quite know what is next for Hedera. Hedera is still not out of beta yet. Um, things quite aren't finished yet. The, the last bricks aren't in place. And we're kind of in this chasm still, this kind of area where there is no floor. Um, we're running off of momentum from an original ramp up. Um, things are happening. It's really great, but we've been in this chasm. And I call this the light at the end of the chasm because there's certain things that are saying to me, people are seeing that light at the end. And from the tone of the Hedera Twitter, kind of that very bold, cheeky, not pulling punches tone, um, some of the moves that they're making, you know, attending Davos, um, some of the use cases coming live, some of the predictions that are being made about, you know, 80 use cases going live this quarter, 90% of the governing council members building on the network right now, 30 new governing council members in the pipeline, um, all these different types of things, different rumors. I mean, I even see it doing this show. It used to be hard to fill an hour. Now it's difficult to keep it under an hour and a half or two hours. And it does, you do get that feeling of optimism, of that light being at the end of this chasm. Um, and for me, I think that what that light is, is kind of what Patches was talking about um, earlier and also kind of what we're seeing and what Mance referred to when, you know, he was, again, he was asked that question, what's been driving growth in the network? And he says, it's not really the governing council, it's the community. And I think that's really what that is, is the infrastructure of the network is is grown out where we have a thriving nft ecosystem a DeFi ecosystem we have all of these different um, facilities that folks are going to want to have and we're branching out into other worlds supply chain coupons these different types of things where you can literally just reach out to somebody send them some hbar show them how to do something real quick and they can have a positive experience and get done what they need done that's a really powerful thing um, and I don't think that we were at that point, even you could argue late last year. Um, we, you know, people on Hashpack now can go and create a wallet with their email address in two seconds. So that to me is where a, a whole new sense of optimism is coming in. And we've always had community outreach, right? We've always had this community growth. We've always had this community onboarding, but largely it's been, um, done with people already interested in the network, approaching the, the community and asking about it. It hasn't really been people, as Patches said, just kind of showing up in a spaces board because there's nothing to do and saying, hey, uh, what's this thing about? What's going on here? This I, I didn't even know about this. And being able to say to them, hey, I want you to try something out. It's really cool. And then they try it out and it's cool. That's a whole new, it's a whole new uh, situation right now. It's a whole new game that we're in. And that's the light at the end of the tunnel. And I thought that what would be getting us out of this, you know, quote unquote chasm is 
all of these major use cases going live and TPS going up to 10,000 and all these different types of things. And sure, that'll happen. But I do think that really it's going to be just, you know, helping people set up a hash pack, grab an NFT, have some fun, check it out. Because that person, right, might be the brother of a CEO of a big company that, you know, is looking for a solution that integrates with DLTs or, um, you know, the nephew of, uh, you know, the, the brother of a, you know, senator, something like that. Like these network effects, these different types of things are built off of positive experiences that people have. And the more positive experiences that regular people can have, the bigger that network effect is going to be. And so it's, I start to see things like these, the, you know, these things happening with, you know, with that spaces yesterday and, and, and these different things, I really kind of go, this is the litmus test for mass adoption of, of Hedera. It's so easy now. And when they get on, everything is here that they need to do. Again, it still needs to be developed. It's still pretty small, but it's a different game now. We're playing a different game. Um, and, uh, you know, with that, thank you for tuning in to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 66, Light at the End of the Chasm. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Make sure to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community to share your insights, ask questions, invite new friends. Um, and if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, feel free to send an HBAR donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. I appreciate everyone tuning in and I'll see you live on Twitter Spaces next Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. For everyone listening now, um, I'm going to keep the spaces open for a few more moments. If you see someone that you recognize, maybe you haven't talked to them in a while, click their profile picture, send them a DM, ask them what's up. Um, and if you see someone you don't recognize, Give them a follow. I mean, you're both listening to spaces about HBAR and Hedera and stuff. So you already got a common interest there. Say hello. Make a new friend. Um, so that, thank you again so much, everybody. Take care. Have an awesome week.